So the Republicans, they're going to have themselves, or I should say they did have themselves, a, a confab. You know that every week they'll do something and they'll, they'll what, what do they call that? Their uh, leadership news conference. Democrats do it. Republicans uh, do it. Birds do it. Bees do it. You know, the, everyone's always talking like why they have uh, the right answer and the right plan. I like to catch it every now and again and share it with you. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. TonyKatz.Locals.com. And, and the, the question before us is, is there anything in here that actually resembles leadership? Is there any part of this conversation that resembles something we'd actually want to hear? I can't believe that to be true. Uh, when the Democrats do it, like like uh, Hakeem Jeffries, I, I picked up uh, some of this. Uh, he is, uh, I think, like the number three guy, number four guy in 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 the House. Always talking about the extreme MAGA uh, uh, agenda. I mean, this was him today. Today, uh, we are so thankful for the presence of two new members, Pat Ryan and Mary Patola, who are going to represent their districts incredibly well, fight for Alaska, fight for the people of the Hudson Valley, and continue to work with us to get things done for the American people. There's a big difference at this moment in time between Democrats and extreme MAGA Republicans. Democrats are getting big things done. Extreme MAGA Republicans are totally out of control. So who needs to listen to that? Getting things done, this side's out of control, and we won't even be honest about the fact that inflation is really harming and damaging Americans all across the country. I I will tell you that I have become, I am not like this. I, I, I am, uh, the glass is half full all the time, and uh, sometimes you got to go out there and make your own damn glass. I'm a, I'm a believer. This, this is who I am. This is how I operate. I find myself over the last couple of weeks in the same place I was in about April of 2020, realizing that we were going to be a country not that figures out how to deal with COVID, but decides to yell and scream at each other and destroy each other. In, in April of 2020, I would finish the shows. I'd have to lay down. You know, uh, I, I, I wasn't uh, uh, Chris Hayes crying into a sweater or anything like that, but there were days, I would say a few weeks, where I was like, what, what, am, what am I doing? Who wants to do this day in and day out? Report on this, talk about this, try and break this down day in and day out. This is ridiculous stuff. We're going to decide that we're going to take a virus, we're going to make it political as opposed to dealing with the reality. Why weren't there more elected officials saying, hey, if you're really fat, COVID's going to be bad for you. I picked up that lesson, lost 45 pounds. I, I still could lose uh, a little bit more. I work on it every day. Isn't easy uh, for me. Some other issues at play. No, I'm not going to get into it with you. Please, if you own a gym, do not email me. I'm fine. But I saw what was happening. I looked at science and I said, that. COVID likes to stick around them fat cells. That's obvious. Because when we take a look at comorbidities, it was obesity that was always, always there. Or at least we could argue it was remarkably prevalent. 
So I said, I can do something about that. Why wasn't there a conversation about this from the Surgeon General at the time, Jerome Adams, or, or I, I forget the name of the Surgeon General under Joe Biden. Why wasn't there conversations about this from elected officials, from civic leadership? No, all politics all the time. You can't trust the vaccine from Trump is what they told us. Oh, Trump's out of office. Everybody's got to get the vaccine. As a matter of fact, we'll force the vaccine on you. Can we ask a question about the vaccine? Hell no, you can't ask a question about the vaccine. <sighs> Who the hell wants this on a day in, day out basis? That is the way I felt. And it was, it was rough. It was the first time in my career I ever asked myself, do I want to be a part of this? Do I want to keep doing this stuff? Lately, I feel exactly the same. It's very weird. I was not expecting that. We have an economic calamity on our hands. And instead of a recognition of the calamity, I have got this from the Joe Biden White House. Just yesterday morning, they let me know you were gone. Suzanne plans in me put an end to That's James Taylor, who, by the way, has gotten older and the voice is just not what it was, but the voice was phenomenal. Still a better singing voice than me, but neither here nor there. They had a party to celebrate the Inflation Reduction Act. What are you what are you having a party about? And it wasn't a party. It was a screaming, yelling, this is going to get you voters? What a great day. Exactly four weeks ago today, I signed the Inflation Reduction Act into law. A single most important legislation passed in the Congress to combat inflation and one of the most significant laws in our nation's history, in my view. I said it then, and I'll keep saying it. With this law, the American people won and special interests lost. Say it again. The American people won and special interests lost. What did we win? You engage the spending and tax bill, which is going to exacerbate inflation on a day where the inflation report was brutal and the stock market went down over 1,200 points. And they're celebrating and they're cheering and they're doing what? Well, the same things that Hakeem Jeffries was just doing. While MAGA Republicans are fixated on their extremist agenda like a national abortion ban, Democrats are focused on creating jobs, lowering costs, and bringing the country together. If you call half the country extremists, you don't mean MAGA Republicans. You mean anybody disagrees with you. This abortion legislation put forth by Lindsey Graham, it's Lindsey Graham. He's now extreme MAGA too. Dear Lord, anybody who disagrees with Chuck Schumer is now extreme MAGA. Who the hell wants this? How could anybody anywhere want this? This irrational, nonsensical psychosis. And I I won't lie, it has absolutely been getting to me. I take this and I take my, I've been saying it, and, and people are like, how dare you say it? What do you mean, how dare I, I, 
I say it, you 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 talk about those who who want to cast half the the country is not even human. They're fascists, as you know, and fascists have to be destroyed. So in the election. You got to do what you got to do to ensure the fascists don't win. That, to me, sets up a very ugly election day. Very ugly early voting. And I uh, completely oppose early voting. I get that the country is bought in on it. Count me out. Anything that leads to the opportunities for more fraud is something I don't favor. I don't favor in uh, the absentee balloting or the mail-ins. I I don't favor ballot harvesting. None of it. Well, Tony, you're trying to prevent people from voting. No. Why don't we change voting to a 24-hour day? I'm not the first person to come up with this. This was Neil Bortz. Uh, the, the talk master back in in his uh, days uh, of, of doing some, some pretty solid radio. One day, 24 hours across the country. So, you know, a 24-hour period. And nobody is allowed to announce election results until the 24-hour period is up in all 50 states. And that means you got to wait for Hawaii to close out its 24-hour period. Then we start counting votes like, I don't know, normal people. I've always thought that this was a much better take. If you had 24 hours in a day to, to get to your polling place, you could probably get there as opposed to some kind of nine to five nonsense. Eliminate the early voting insanity. That's it's always been my take. I think early voting does damage. Now, also be, because you don't have all the data, new things can come out after your early vote. Well, Tony, then you can go to the polling place, but you couldn't get there or, or, or you're still claiming that that's the problem. So the 24 hour thing has always been my answer. I don't like what I'm seeing. I, I think there are going to be some, some serious issues. I'm bothered by this. And all this has led to a, dear Lord, what is, how, how can you, how does anybody continue to work at this level of insane pace? So if you catch the morning show, you heard me say something today. Uh, I honestly am not listening to anybody who screams MAGA Republican this, that, or the other. I don't give a damn. You're a name-calling loser, and that's who you are. I'm curious about how we're going to help our neighbors who are going to have to choose between heat or eat this winter. Because energy prices, because home heating oil, that's going to be a cost, and people are going to make tough decisions in this inflationary market, which isn't going anywhere. What do we do about that? Can I suggest that our focus... Be on the things we can control and not the losers who are out of control. Screaming about MAGA Republicans is nonsense. You have the elected officials. I don't believe that Democrats are like this in in the main across the country. That's just a disagreement in policy. And certainly some people didn't vote for Trump in the last election because they were just tired of the insanity. I don't think they wanted this. They didn't vote for Biden. They voted against Trump. And I believe that there is a fair amount of regret that exists out there. But who in the world could want this insanity? Who? 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 They're asking questions of Hakeem Jeffries. I don't even want to hear it anymore. I don't want to hear about it. It's a bit of madness. And my suggestion is, how about we don't play in the madness? I mean, we still got to, don't get me wrong, I'm still going to talk about it. It's my job. I'm here for you, Boo Bear. But man, would I like to focus on how we're going to help people through some serious, serious issues. Because there are some serious, serious issues out there that need to be addressed. 
And there are serious issues coming down the line that are just going to be super ugly this winter. This inflation is our problem. And we're going to have to deal with it. Keep it here. I'm Tony Katz. Do not fear. Everything is well in hand. There is simply, quite simply, no reason for any of us anywhere to panic at all. It's true. It's true because Jim Beam is expanding. Yes, 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 yes. That's exactly what I thought. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. What's uh, going on? The story is, is that Jim Beam is going to be doing a $400 million expansion. Now, this is how NBC News has it. To ramp up bourbon production, you know you can't necessarily just ramp up bourbon production at the drop of a hat. That's that's that, that's not how this works. That's that's not how any uh, of, of this works. I mean, I, I, I could say it differently if you want. That's not how it works. That's not how any of this works. I don't know. Maybe it sounds better when she says it. Bourbon still takes time. You want to be a, a straight bourbon? You're going to be two years in, in the bottle. You want something that people are going to think isn't too green and really want to go for? That's usually about the four-year mark is, is where you see it. You have to wait the time out. Now, bourbon doesn't actually, you don't have to wait. If it goes into the barrel and comes out of the barrel, literally the same day, you can call it bourbon. As long as the barrel is a new a oak barrel charred, right? So heat has been added to the barrel. The amount of char totally up to uh, the distillery. Uh, that that's bourbon 51% corn right that's the rule it has to be 51% corn in the mash bill the grains that make up uh, the, the the bourbon and in the barrel out of the barrel you can call it bourbon you just call it bourbon and you don't call it straight bourbon to be straight bourbon it has to be two years in the barrel look these are the rules as as put forth by congress all i do is follow but yes there is a demand for more and more bourbon so the project that's taking place is going to increase capacity by 50%. This according to Beam Suntory. Now, this isn't the only uh, distillery that's um, going to be that, that that that's growing and building and 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 really aggressively uh pushing itself uh there have been some other uh breweries and breweries distilleries out there it wasn't it wasn't um woodford i forget the other one there was there was there was another one uh that said it was going to it really work to increase production actually they've been working on it for about 10 years and now they feel they're in a good place to finally get things going the bourbon boom has just been so absolutely massive. The entire spirits boom, tequila, tequila went nuts during COVID. Michael Jordan has Sincoro uh, tequila with with uh, uh, a whole bunch of, of uh, fellow celebrities. Lakers owner Janine Buss is part of that. Wes Edens, who's part of the Milwaukee Bucks ownership uh, group. They put together Sincoro and it, it, tequila is much more than just about, you know, um, you know, licking the salt and then uh, saying to whoever you're doing shots with, hey, you want to go back to my place? I mean, it, it, it's it's more than that kind of nonsense tequila. The sipping tequilas, the Resposados, the Añejos, uh, really gorgeous work coming out uh, from tequila. People starting to really recognize 
that there, there's a bit of smokiness in here. What is it that the agave is giving off? So there's this, there is this remarkable renaissance in tequila as well as there have been in so many uh, whiskeys, bourbon, scotches, uh, pick, pick your thing. Me, I'm a rye guy myself. Um, so that that industry has been growing so much so that Sincoro is now putting out a luxury Sincoro called Sincoro Gold, which will be $349 a bottle. $349.99. I guess $350 was just a bridge too far. Will people in this, we're, we're, we're talking about inflation all the time. We're talking about the markets all the time. People are going to spend $349.99 a bottle. Some people will. Because they won't buy the quantity, they will invest in the quality. And they'll take a look at how long it lasts and the little sip that they have here, and they'll say, you know what? This is worth it. This is my indulgence. I can't afford to have steak like I used to. I can't afford to have this like I used to. I'll do this. When I see a, a, a bourbon uh, come out and it comes out at like 175 bucks, uh, I did a review of something called Fourgate. Uh, whiskey, which is glorious, part of their Bluegrass Trilogy. It was the number three in the trilogy. I think it was like $175 a bottle. Oh, so good. So good. You can actually catch that at eatdrinksmokeshow.com and download the podcast wherever you get your podcast, and you can listen to that one. But $175 is a pretty big nut. But some people are going to say, you know what? I, I want the quality of the thing. And, 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 and God bless that premium side of spirits has been growing great. Jim Beam, they just want to be able to service the customers they have. And there's this real feel that those who become uh, uh, bourbon drinkers are staying. Maybe not as much as they were drinking during uh, the, the, the heyday of COVID, but they're still enjoying a beverage and that's going to happen. So they're placing their bet. More to get to. I'm Tony Katz. Recently, President Biden has been attacking President Trump and his supporters at rallies for Democrats ahead of the midterms. What impact do you think that has on voters? I don't think it has any whatsoever. And I think the proof of this is take a look at the entire last week where every day at the White House press briefing, you had Corinne Jean-Pierre, the White House press secretary, explaining the speech, explaining what Biden meant. He wasn't talking about the people. He was talking about elected officials. He sees uh, this group as very violent. Oh, no, wait, no, he's not calling anybody a fascist. I believe the adage is, and Crystal can correct me if I'm wrong, when you're explaining, you're losing. And there's no doubt that the White House is been losing this speech that President Biden gave at Independence Hall did not go over well. It didn't go over with the American people uh, well. And again, Trump versus Biden is not where people are in this midterm election. That is noise for the Beltway folk. That isn't what's happening on Midwest Main Street. And it's not. And I said that on News Nation uh, just over the weekend. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, always a pleasure to be with you guys. And I believe that to be true, just like I believe the idea that when we take a look at polling, to the extent that you want to believe any polling, you would have to believe it accurate that the red wave is nothing more than a red ripple and uh, the, the Democrats are doing so well with everything they passed, all this great legislation. But we know... In the anecdotal, that the legislation hasn't caught on, that just like the speech didn't move anybody, the Inflation Reduction Act, which they were celebrating on a day when inflation went up and the stock market went down over 1,200 points, they're celebrating it with James Taylor in concert. 
it doesn't connect with Americans. So am I to believe that somehow everything they're cheering is exactly where America is and that all of the Republicans running out there, whether it be the House or the Senate, those two being two very different styles of races and, and, and victories not necessarily assured in the Senate, as much as you could argue they would be in, in, in the House, am I to believe that Democrats really have this, this, this big, big wind uh, at their back? Or is it a lot of talk and not reality? Noah Rothman joins us right now from Commentary Magazine, commentary.org. He's also a contributor and a voice over there at MSNBC. Cocky Democrats may be counting their midterm votes before they're cast. Noah with the piece there at MSNBC.com. And I I do want to get into the idea, your piece over commentary about this isn't complicated, which is about this insanity of, of a celebration. But let's get to the voting here. Your argument, it it made me feel good because I've engaged at least part of this argument that if you believe your own hype, you've got yourself a problem. Where do you see Democrats believing their own hype and do they have anything they can actually hold on to? Oh, well, if you survey the opinion landscape over the last month, roughly, uh, you see quite a lot of celebratory columns, articles, pieces by um, left-wing partisans or columnists, but also Democratic uh, consultants uh, talking about the extent to which the long-forecast backlash against unified Democratic governance in Washington had dematerialized, simply ceased to exist. Um, they, it does seem like this White House has, in, has bought into its own hype to a degree that is mi- compelling people who make decisions in this administration to make some really stupid decisions very hubristic decisions that tempt fate. I want to disagree with you a little bit. I don't think that this Trump dynamic that has suddenly emerged as a wedge in the 2022 election is a nothing, uh, nothing to the to the American electorate. I don't think anything else explains why Republicans have experienced a real summer swoon. And it's not nothing. Polling suggests um, that Republican advantages in the national generic ballot has evaporated. Joe Biden's job approval rating is going up. Democratic candidates are in competitive and even winning swing elections uh, or special elections where they have no business being competitive. Republicans are whistling past the graveyard if they want to pretend like that's nothing. However, all that said, at this particular moment of Democratic res- uh, renaissance, with this you know, dawn rising on Democratic prospects in November, they're still facing the prospect of a route, a very significant route, just based on the data that we're all privy to, that could most likely will deliver the House to Republicans and could still deliver the Senate to the GOP, which would make all their you know, jubilation and uh, contentment with themselves, the back padding that they've been doing with themselves for doing nothing other than presiding over some fortunate events over which they had no control, uh, will make them look very silly on the morning of November 9th. If you ask me if Joe Biden's speech had any effect on the electorate in terms of pushing people to vote for Democrats, I remain steadfast in zero, and I argue uh, that it indeed backfired. It's an interesting thing about whether or not Trump being so vocal in these um, in these primaries, and, and as you note, he has been vocal in a tremendous number of primaries, where normally that doesn't uh, happen. Did this create a negative? I, I, I think that's an interesting conversation, not as much of an interesting conversation 
is the people that were picked who are talking more about Trump than maybe they are about their own state or their own constituents or the actual policies, whether you're talking about J.D. Vance or Blake Masters in, in Arizona, J.D. Vance in Ohio, because we've seen people like Glenn Youngkin be able to get elected without even a, a regard to Trump. So I don't know if it's as much Trump speaking as it is people speaking to Trump. Yeah, no, I 100 percent agree with that. So the, the, some, the Republicans sort of began to lose ground in the generic ballot during the primaries, early in the in the primaries around early June, late May, early June. And that tends to happen in these years where you have it's a midterm year where you have a generic vehicle of opposition in the form of uh, the out party. They're not really well defined yet. They become candidates. The candidates become personalized. The party gets a second look. That's really standard practice. Um, and it did erode some of the GOP's position when you had candidates uh, that were uh, controversial in places like Arizona, what have you, or just neophytes. Um, many of Donald Trump's nominees are just political neophytes who are relatively unknown. They're getting a second look. Um, what really eroded the Republican Party's position, and Democrats like to think it was Dobbs, we saw no movement in the polling after Dobbs, for a month after Dobbs. When we saw movement was after the Mar-a-Lago raid, when the Republican Party, to a man, rallied around Donald Trump's, the great insult to Donald Trump's uh, image and the offense that was done to him by the DOJ, and it communicated to voters. He was on every television screen for six weeks every day, re-communicating to voters exactly why they stopped voting for Republicans in 2018 and 2020. That is the only, in my view, correlation between the erosion of the Republican position in generic ballot polling and in individual candidate polling and what we're seeing and what we saw in, in the in the spring and winter of this year. However, even with that erosion, Republicans are still competitive everywhere they need to be competitive. And there are a lot of flawed candidates who are now leading in the head-to-head polling against the Democratic, usually somewhat often in times incumbents, sometimes open seats. Uh, and if if this breaks in the Republican direction, as wave years tend to do, then Republicans are are poised to pick up control of both chambers of Congress. It's a perfectly imaginable scenario that everybody sort of stopped imagining. And the, the, the wrath of the gods, I feel like there is a cosmic comeuppance that Democrats are courting with their hubris because there's very little to explain how this inflation party that they scheduled for themselves, and they scheduled it on a day when they knew they were going to get a, a Bureau of Labor Statistics drop, that the Bureau of Labor Statistics drop would be bad is just a sign from the heavens that the fates are ill at ease with, with the Democrats and the extent to which they are counting their chickens well before they're hatched. Talking to Noah Rothman, Noah C. Rothman of Commentary Magazine, a contributor at MSNBC. Uh, his book, which is available for you, The Rise of the New Puritans. You can get that at Amazon.com or wherever fine books are sold. It is on my bookshelf uh, right uh, behind me. Um, I have argued since the very beginning of my radio career if I was a man who had a, uh, put forth a couple of, of theses in, in my life, the left always overplays their hand. Even when they have a winning hand, if you were to argue uh, that a, a defense of the raid uh, provides for the left a winning hand, uh, they always overplay their hand. You discussed it just now as the hubris of this celebration, which is the point of your piece over there at Commentary.org. This isn't complicated. One would think it's not complicated. Recognize that you're dealing with higher medical costs, higher housing costs, higher food costs. People are really going to be concerned about how they're going to heat their 
their homes uh, this December. And here is the White House trotting out James Taylor, which I guess is their answer to Lee Greenwood these days, and saying, <laughs> look how awesome we are. This was a nutty, nutty performance from Joe Biden and the Democrats uh, just the other day. Yeah, even if you expect it, as they surely did, a modestly you know, yeah, good inflation report, it still would have been utterly atonal, completely tone deaf to the conditions Americans are dealing with financially and economically to have such an event to praise yourself. Now, if this was the biggest piece of climate legislation in history, then sure, maybe you'd have a little party for yourself, which of course it is. But that wasn't what they passed. They didn't pass <laughs> the biggest piece of climate legislation in history. They passed something they decided to call the, the Inflation Reduction Act. And this, to me, is an extraordinarily simple political narrative that you really have to rationalize yourself into something more complex to, to see it as anything other than catastrophic for Democrats. In August, they passed on a party-line vote a bill they called the Inflation Reduction Act. A month later, inflation went up. Now, Democrats are going to say, oh, we didn't expect, you can't expect inflation reduction efforts in this bill to manifest any time before the first seven years of the bill, whatever. Don't care. Too bad. You pushed all your chips in on a really big bet. It was a bait and switch and you knew it. And guess what? You're going to be held to account for the lack of effect that you advertised this bill would have. Inflation and economic concerns, the hardships associated with rising consumer salt costs is priority number one for voters, has been for a very long time. Democrats promised to do something about it and they lied. That's the beginning, middle, and end of this story. Yeah, but but what's what is fascinating as you're discussing uh, your contemporary and mine, Charles C. W. Cook, writing at National Review, uh, talking about this celebration and the tone deafness, uh, writes that the scale of Biden's effrontery is tough to comprehend. It is as if, after receiving the latest dispatch from the Light Brigade, Lord Palmerston had organized <laughs> a celebration of military charges, or on the day the country learned of the infamous 18-minute gap in the Watergate tapes, President Nixon had seen fit to stage a televised clam bake in honor of data <laughs> integrity. That's a that's a world-class line. I don't care who you are. But it, it is true that the it seems that for Biden and for the progressives, the answer is don't worry about reality. Act like all is well, almost as, as, as Charles puts it, a finger in the eye. On a political basis, that doesn't make any sense. So in your view, why are they doing it? Well, so just see, I, I mean, it's pretty, also pretty simple. See who is there, who is at this event. And every one of them tweeted their presence at this event with a selfie that they published on Twitter, suggesting that there was some guidance here because it was to a man that they did this. And it was environmental groups. It was the American Federation of Teachers. It was union representatives. It was just about every Democratic constituency that they need to be enlivened by uh, the political conditions in November and turn out and vote for Democrats, right? Of course. Um, that's what this bill is designed to do. This bill is a climate bill, and it's designed to, and it's a health care bill. It's designed to energize Democratic constituencies who are not currently enthusiastic to vote in November. But that's not the story they're telling. They're telling the public that this is an economic bill, that this is an anti-inflationary measure, because we're really focused on the stuff that you care about, even though we're not, because the things that you care about don't actually generate any enthusiasm among our voters. Our base voters, the Democratic Party's base, is very affluent, very educated, very removed 
from the financial conditions that are imposing hardships on average Americans. They are not imperiled financially by inflation. That's just not the case anymore. This is not a working class party. So in order to pretend like they care about the stuff you care about, they have to bait you and then give you something else. Uh, this is a this is a Democratic voter drive. And to the extent that Democrats are just utterly removed from the chief concern of their of their of the public, you know, they want to make this an abortion election. God bless you. I mean, it's having some some effect. It really is on on the margins of the electorate. But we're staring down the barrel of some really bad economic news and economic news has a tendency to reassert itself. This, that's the fundamentals of this election and the fundamentals tend to win out. If this inflation report is any indication, we're going to see more bad reports coming down the line. And that's not what Democrats expected. They convinced themselves that inflation was over, that it was behind us. The worst was over. Uh, it's not. It may be yet to come. And I, that that is absolutely where I'm at. But I, I must say, and, and this will take another conversation, another set of time. I am absolutely not a believer that abortion is a driving factor in in this uh, election, no matter how much the, the left desperately wants it to be. And I, I appreciate your terminology on, on the fringes. There can be some outliers where it does play, but it is not it is not a driver. It, it just that's what they want to, to say. But it is not a driver. We'll get into more of that. Noah Rothman is his name. Noah C. Rothman on the Twitter box. You can find his work at commentary dot org and at MSNBC and the book The Rise of the New Puritans. That is available at Amazon dot com, wherever fine books are sold. Uh, it, no, it's always a pleasure, man. We've got more. I'm Tony Katz. And as the Democrats did their little presser, Republicans uh, did theirs. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today, and it was Elise Stefanik, who uh, is, uh, was she number three in the house? I, I don't know why. I can't remember what number uh, these people are uh, taking direct aim at that celebration uh, Joe Biden had uh, at the White House uh, when inflation goes up. Good morning. Yesterday, Joe Biden hosted a party at the White House to celebrate his Inflation Expansion Act. On the same day that scorching inflation numbers came in hotter than expected and the stock market plunged. President Biden and House Democrats' reckless spending and failed far-left policies have plunged our economy into a recession, stolen wages from America's workforce, destroyed retirement savings, particularly impacting seniors in my district and across America, and left families with the highest food prices since 1979. Now, if you ask me what I think is more going to connect, I believe it's that because that is what's happened to people. That, that connection part uh, uh, matters and, and matters greatly. That this, you, you could scream about MAGA Republicans, and this is, this is my point, you could scream about MAGA Republicans from now until the end of time. What's going on with my 401k? Why is rice so damn expensive? Never mind meat. Never mind eggs. Eggs are up like 36%. I used to have an omelet every morning. Remember the days of having an omelet every morning? Ah, oh, now people are looking to invest in chickens, which, by the way, if, if I thought I was allowed, I think I can. Maybe I can. Like, I would, I would put chickens in the backyard. Oh, my gosh. I would raise chickens in a heartbeat. Get a little coop going on. But we also have a fox that's around. This could be a bad thing. You know what? Maybe I'll just buy the eggs. No, wait. Can't afford to buy the eggs. They're up 36%. What connects more? Evil MAGA Republicans or 
You can't afford eggs under their policies. So why don't we vote for these people? Here are the policies that we want to engage, and we will ensure that there's less spending, which they actually have to ensure. If not, you vote them out, you try again. Uh, the, the Democrats' hubris, I think it's a great, great way to look at it. Find everything, TonyCats.locals.com. Tomorrow, everyone, take care.